0: Welcome to the Horror Babble Podcast. Hey, You Down There by Harold Rolseth Calvin Spender drained his coffee cup and wiped his mouth with the back of his hand. He burped loudly, and then proceeded to fill a corncob pipe with coarsely shredded tobacco— He scratched a match across the top of the table, and holding it to his pipe, he sucked noisily until billows of acrid smoke poured from his mouth. Dora Spender sat across the table from her husband, her breakfast scarcely touched. She coughed lightly, and then, as no frown appeared on Calvin's brow, she said, Are you going to dig in the well this morning, Calvin? Calvin fixed his small, red-rimmed eyes upon her, and, as if she had not spoken, said— "'Get going at the chores right away. You're goin' to be hauling up dirt.' "'Yes, Calvin,' Dora whispered. Calvin cleared his throat, and the action caused his Adam's apple to move rapidly under the loose red skin on his neck. He rose from the table, and went out of the kitchen door, kicking viciously at the tawny cat which had been lying on the doorstep. Dora gazed at him, and wondered for the thousandth time what it was that Calvin reminded her of. It was not some other person— it was something else. Sometimes it seemed as though the answer was about to spring to her mind, as just now when Calvin had cleared his throat, but always it stopped just short of her consciousness. It was disturbing to know with such certainty that Calvin looked like something other than himself, and yet not know what that something was. Some day, though, Dora knew, the answer would come to her. She rose hurriedly from the table and set about her chores. Halfway between the house and the barn— A doughnut-shaped mound of earth surrounded a hole. Calvin went to the edge of the hole and stared down into it distastefully. Only necessity could have forced him to tackle this task, but it was either this digging or the hauling of barrels and barrels of water each day from Nordfisher's farm half a mile down the road. Calvin's herd of scrab cattle was small, but the amount of water it drank was astonishing. For two weeks now, ever since his well had gone dry, Calvin had been hauling water— and the disagreeable chore was becoming more unpleasant, because of neighbour Nord's hints that some kind of payment for the water would only be fair. Several feet back from the edge of the hole, Calvin had driven a heavy iron stake into the ground, and to this was attached a crude rope ladder. The rope ladder had become necessary when the hole had reached a depth well beyond the length of any wooden ladder Calvin owned. Calvin hoped desperately that he would not have to go much further— He estimated that he was now down fifty or sixty feet, a common depth for many wells in the area. His greatest fear was that he would hit a layer of rock which would call for the services of a well-drilling outfit. Both his funds and his credit rating were far too low for such a team. Calvin picked up a bucket to which was attached a long rope and lowered it into the hole. It was Dora's back-breaking task to pull the bucket hand over hand after Calvin had filled it from the bottom of the hole— With a mumbled curse, Calvin emptied his pipe and started down the rope ladder. By the time he got to the bottom of the hole and had filled the bucket, Dora should be there to haul it up. If she weren't, she would hear about it. From the house, Dora saw Calvin prepare to enter the well, and she worked with desperate haste to complete her chores. She reached the hole just as a muffled shout from below indicated that the bucket was full. Summoning all her strength, Dora hauled the bucket up. She emptied it, and then lowered it into the hole again. While she waited for the second bucket load, she examined the contents of the first. She was disappointed to find, it had only the normal moistness of underground earth. No water seeped from it. In her own way, Dora was deeply religious, and at each tenth bucket she pulled up, she murmured an urgent prayer that it would contain more water in it than earth. She had settled at praying at every tenth bucket load, because she did not believe it in good taste to pester God with every bucket. Also, she varied the wording of each prayer, feeling that God must become bored with the same plea repeated over and over. On this particular morning, as she lowered the bucket for its tenth loading, she prayed, "'Please, God, let something happen this time. Let something really and truly happen, so I won't have to haul up any more dirt.' Something happened almost immediately. As the rope slackened in her hands, indicating that the bucket had reached the bottom, a scream of sheer terror came up from the hole, and the rope ladder jerked violently. Whimpering sounds of mortal fear sounded faintly, and the ladder grew taut with heavy strain. Dora fell to her knees, and peered down into the darkness. "'Calvin!' she called. "'Are you all right? What is it?' Then, with startling suddenness, Calvin appeared. At first, Dora was not sure it was Calvin. The usual redness of his face was gone. Now it was a yellowish-green. He was trembling violently, and had trouble breathing. It must have been a heart attack, Dora thought, and tried hard to control the surge of joy that came over her. Calvin lay upon the ground, panting. Finally, he gained control of himself. Under ordinary circumstances, Calvin did not converse with Dora, but now he seemed eager to talk. You know what happened down there?" he said, in a shaky voice. You know what happened? The complete bottom dropped right out of the hole. All of a sudden it went, and there I was, standing on nothing but her. If I hadn't grabbed a hold of the last rung of the ladder, why, that hole must be a thousand feet, the way the bottom dropped out of it. Calvin babbled on, but Dora didn't listen. She was amazed at the remarkable way in which her prayer had been answered. If the hole had no more bottom, there would be no more dirt to haul up. When Calvin had regained his strength, he crept to the edge of the hole, and peered down. "'What are you going to do, Calvin?' Dora asked timidly. "'Do, i going to find out how far down that all goes. Get the flashlight from the kitchen.' Dora hurried off. When she returned, Calvin had a large ball of binder twine he had brought from the tool shed. He tied the flashlight securely to the end of the line, switched it on, and lowered it into the hole. He paid out the line for about a hundred feet— and then stopped. The light was only a feeble glimmer down below, and revealed nothing. Calvin lowered the light another hundred feet, and this time it was only a twinkling speck as it swung at the end of the line. Calvin released another long length of twine, and another, and another, and now the light was no longer visible, and the large ball of twine had shrunk to a small tangle. Almost a full thousand feet, he whispered in awe, and no bottom yet, "'Might as well pull it up.' But the line did not come up with Calvin's pull. It stretched and grew taut, but it did not yield to his tugging. "'Must be caught on something,' Calvin muttered, and gave the line a sharp jerk. In reply, there was a downward jerk that almost tore the line from his hands. "'Hey!' yelled Calvin. "'The line—it jerked.' "'But—but Calvin!' Dora protested. "'Don't Calvin me. I tell you, there's something on the end of this line.' He gave another tug, and again the line was almost pulled from his hands. He tied the line to the stake, and sat down to ponder the matter. "'It doesn't make sense,' he said, more to himself than to Dora. "'What could be done underground a good thousand feet?' Tentatively he reached and pulled lightly on the line. This time there was no response, and rapidly he began hauling it up. When the end of the line came into view, there was a small white pouch of a leather-like substance. Calvin opened the pouch, with trembling fingers, and shook into his palm a bar of yellow metal, and a folded piece of parchment. The bar of metal was not large, but it seemed heavy, for its size. Calvin got out his jackknife, and scratched the point of the blade across the metal. The knife-blade bit into it easily. "'Gold,' said Calvin, his voice shaky. "'Must be a whole pound of it.' and just for a measly flashlight. They must be crazy down there." He thrust the gold bar into his pocket, and opened the small piece of parchment. One side was closely covered with a fine writing. Calvin turned it this way and that, and then tossed it on the ground. "'Foreigners,' he said. "'No wonder they ain't got any sense. But it's plain they need flashlights.' Oh, Calvin,' said Dora, "'how could they get down there? There ain't any mines in this part of the country.' "'Ain't you ever heard of them secret government projects?' asked Calvin scornfully. "'This must be one of them. I'm going to town to get me a load of flashlights. They must need bad. Now, mind you watch that all good. Don't let no one go near it.' Calvin strode to the battered truck which was standing near the barn, and a minute later was rattling down the highway towards Harmony Junction. Dora picked up the bit of parchment which Calvin had thrown away— She could make nothing of the writing on it. It was all very strange. If it were some secret government undertaking, why would foreigners be taking part? And why would they need flashlights so urgently as to pay a fortune for one? Suddenly it occurred to her, that possibly the people down below didn't know there were English-speaking people up above. She hurried into the house, and rummaged through Calvin's rickety desk for paper and pencil. In her search, she found a small, ragged dictionary— and she took this with her to the kitchen table. Spelling didn't come easily to Dora. Her note was a series of questions. Why were they down there? Who were they? Why did they pay so much for an old flashlight? As she started for the well, it occurred to her that possibly the people down there might be hungry. She went back to the kitchen, and wrapped a loaf of bread, and a fair-sized piece of ham in a clean dish-towel. She added a P.S. to her note, apologizing for the fact that she had nothing better to offer them. Then the thought came to her that since the people down below were obviously foreigners, and possibly not too well versed in English, a small dictionary might be of help to them in answering her note. She wrapped the dictionary with the food in the towel. It took Dora a long time to lower the bucket, but finally the twine grew slack in her hands, and she knew the bucket had reached the bottom. She waited for a few moments, and then tugged the line gently. The line held firm below, and Dora seated herself on the mound of earth to wait. The warm sunlight felt good on her back, and it was pleasant to sit and do nothing. She had no fear that Calvin would return soon. She knew that nothing on earth, or under it, could keep Calvin from visiting a number of bars once he was in town, and that with each tavern visited, time would become more and more meaningless to him. She doubted that he would return before morning. After half an hour, Dora gave the line a questioning tug, but it did not yield. She did not mind. It was seldom that she had time to idle away. Usually, when Calvin went to town, he burdened her with chores that were to be done during his absence, coupling each order with a threat of what awaited her should his instructions not be carried out. Dora waited another half hour before tugging at the line again, this time, there was a sharp, answering jerk, and Dora began hauling the bucket upward. It seemed much heavier now, and twice she had to pause for a rest. When the bucket reached the surface, she saw why it was heavier. "'My goodness!' she murmured as she viewed the dozen or so yellow metal bars in the bucket. "'They must be real hungry down there.' A sheet of the strange parchment was also in the bucket— and Aura picked it out, expecting to see the strange writing of the first note. "'Well, I declare,' she said, when she saw that the note was in English. It was in the same print as the dictionary, and each letter had been made with meticulous care. She read the note slowly, shaping each word with her lips as she read. "'Your language is barbaric, but the crude code-book you sent down made it easy for our scholars to decipher it. We, too, wonder about you.' how have you overcome the problem of living in the deadly light? Our legends tell of a race dwelling on the surface, but intelligent reasoning has made us ridicule these old tales until now. We would still doubt that you are surface dwellers except for the fact that our instruments show without question that the opening above us leads to the deadly light. The clumsy death ray which you sent us indicates that your scientific development is very low. Other than as an object from another race, it has no value to us. We sent gold as a courtesy payment only. The food you call bread is not acceptable to our digestive systems, but the ham is beyond price. It is obviously the flesh of some creature, and we will exchange a double weight of gold for all that you can send us. Send more immediately. Also, send a concise history of your race, and arrange for your best scientists, such as they are, to communicate with us. Glar, the Master Dora took the gold bars to her petunia bed beside the house, and buried them in the loose black soil. She paid no heed to the sound of a car coming down the highway at high speed, until it passed the house and a wild squawking sounded above the roar of the motor. She hurried around to the front of the house, knowing already what had happened. She stared in dismay at the four chickens which lay dead in the road. She knew that Calvin would blame her and beat her into unconsciousness. Fear sharpened her wits. Perhaps if she could dispose of the bodies, Calvin would think foxes had got them. Hastily, she gathered up the dead chickens and feathers which lay scattered about. When she was finished, there was no evidence of the disaster. She carried the chickens to the back of the house, wondering how she could best dispose of them. Suddenly, as she glanced towards the hole, the answer came to her. An hour later, the four chickens were dressed and neatly cut up, Ignoring the other instructions in the note, she sent the bulky parcel of chicken down into the hole. She sat down again to enjoy the luxury of doing nothing. When, an hour later, she picked up the line, there was an immediate response from below. The bucket was exceedingly heavy this time, and she was fearful that the line might break. She was dizzy with fatigue when she finally hauled the bucket over to the edge of the hole. This time, there were several dozen bars of gold in it, and a brief note in the same precise lettering as before. Our scientists are of the opinion that the flesh you sent down is that of a creature you call chicken. This is the supreme food. Never have we eaten anything so delicious. To show our appreciation, we are sending you a bonus payment. Your code book indicates that there is a larger creature similar to chicken called turkey. Send us turkey immediately. I repeat, send us turkey immediately. Glah the master. "'Lance sakes,' gasped Dora. "'They must have eaten that chicken raw. Nowhere in Tarnation would I get a turkey.' She buried the gold bars, in another part of her petunia bed. Calvin returned about ten o'clock the next morning. His eyes were bloodshot, and his face was a mottled red. The loose folds of skin on his neck hung lower than usual, and more than ever he reminded Dora of something that she couldn't quite put a name to. Calvin stepped down from the truck, and Dora cringed, but he seemed too tired and preoccupied to bother with her. He surveyed the hole glumly, then got into the truck, and backed it to the edge of the mound of earth. On the back of the truck was a winch with a large drum of steel cable. "'Fix me something to eat,' he ordered Dora. Dora hurried into the house, and began preparing ham and eggs. Each moment she expected Calvin to come in and demand to know, with a few blows, what was holding up his meal— but Calvin seemed very busy in the vicinity of the hole. When Dora went out to call him to eat, she found he had done a surprising amount of work. It attached an oil drum to the steel cable. This hung over a heavy steel rod which rested across the hole. Stakes driven into the ground on each side of the hole held the rod in place. "'Your breakfast is ready, Calvin,' said Dora. "'Shut up,' Calvin answered. The winch was driven by an electric motor. And Calvin ran a cable from the motor to an electric outlet on the yard light post. From the cab he took a number of boxes and placed them in the oil drum. A whole hundred of 'em <laughs> he chuckled, more to himself than to Dora. Fifty-nine cents apiece. Peanuts. One bar of gold will buy thousands. Calvin threw the switch, which controlled the winch, and with sickening force Dora realized the terrible thing that would soon happen. The creatures down below had no use or regard for flashlights. Down went the oil drum, the cable screeching shrilly as it passed over the rod above the hole. Calvin got an oil can from the truck, and applied oil generously to the rod and cable. In a very short while, the cable went slack, and Calvin stopped the winch. "'I'll give them an hour to lord up the gold,' he said, and went to the kitchen for his delayed breakfast. Dora was almost numb with fear. What would happen when the flashlights came back up, with an insulting note in English, was too horrible to contemplate. Calvin would learn about the gold she had received, and very likely kill her. Calvin ate his breakfast leisurely. Dora busied herself with household tasks, trying with all her might to cast out of her mind the terrible thing which was soon to happen. Finally, Calvin glanced at the wall clock, yawned widely, and tapped out his pipe. Ignoring Dora— He went out to the hole. In spite of her terrible fear, Dora could not resist following him. It was as if some power outside herself forced her to go. The winch was already reeling the cable when she got to the hole. It seemed only seconds before the oil drum was up. The grin on Calvin's face was broad, as he reached out over the hole and dragged the drum to the edge. A look of utter disbelief replaced the grin as he looked into it. His Adam's apple seemed to vibrate under his red-skinned throat, and once again part of Dora's mind tried to recall what it was that Calvin reminded her of. Calvin was making flat, bawling sounds like a lost calf. He hauled the drum out of the hole, and dumped its contents on the ground. The flashlights, many of them dented and with lenses broken, made a sizable pile. With a tremendous kick, Calvin sent flashlights flying in all directions. One, with a note attached, landed at Dora's feet. Either Calvin was so blinded by rage that he didn't see it, or he assumed it was written in the same unreadable script as the first note. "'You down there!' he screamed into the hole. "'You filthy swine! I'll fix you! I'll make you sorry you ever double-cross me! I'll—I'll—' I'll. He dashed for the house, and Dora hastily snatched up the note. You are even more stupid than we thought. Your clumsy death-rays are useless to us. We informed you of this. We want turkey. Send us turkey, immediately. Glar, the Master She crumpled the note quickly as Calvin came from the house with his double barreled shotgun. For a moment, Dora thought that he knew everything, and was about to kill her. "'Please, Calvin,' she said. "'Shut up,' said Calvin." You saw me work the winch. Can you do it? Why, yes, but what— Listen to me. I'm going down there to fix those dirty foreigners. You send me down and bring me up. He seized Dora by the shoulder. And if you mess things up, I'll fix you, too. I'll really and truly fix you. Dora nodded dumbly. Calvin put his gun in the oil drum and pushed it to the center of the hole. Then, hanging onto the cable, he carefully lowered himself into the drum— "'Give me just one hour to run those dirty routes down, then bring me back up,' he said. Dora threw the switch, and the oil drum went down. When the cable slackened, she stopped the winch. She spent most of the next hour praying that Calvin would not find the people down there and become a murderer. Exactly an hour later, Dora started the oil drum upward. The motor laboured mightily as though under a tremendous strain, and the cable seemed stretched almost to breaking point.' Dora gasped when the oil drum came into view. Calvin was not in it. She shut off the motor, and hastened to the drum, half expecting to find Calvin crouching down inside. But Calvin was not there. Instead, there were scores of gold bars, and on top of them a sheet of the familiar white parchment. "'Land sakes,' Dora said, as she took in a full view of the drum's contents. She had no idea of the value of the treasure upon which she gazed. She only knew it must be immense. Carefully, she reached down and picked out the note, which she read in her slow, precise way. Not even the exquisite flavour of the chicken compares to the incomparable goodness of the live turkey you sent down to us. We must confess, that we thought turkey would be rather different from this, but this does not matter. So delicious was the turkey that we are again sending you a bonus payment. We beg you to send us more turkey immediately. GLA, the master. Dora read the note a second time, to make sure she understood it fully. "'Well, I declare,' she said in considerable wonder. "'I do declare.'